Thank you, Father. Go with me real quickly over to Mark chapter 16. Sunday we talked about the importance of turning on the pump. How you know there are good things on the inside of you? Yes. Come on, shout out the same power, the same power. that raised Jesus from the dead is on the inside of me. How about that? Uh, we're not posers and we're not pretenders. What's on the inside of us is real. And we, we learn through the Word of God and through the application of the Word of God that when we pray in the Spirit, when we use our prayer language, when we speak in tongues, that power is actually released. So if you need something resurrected or you know somebody who needs something resurrected in their lives, uh, we're not going to be ashamed of the gospel. We're not going to be ashamed to be people of the Spirit. Uh, all over the world, you know, people are, are thirsty and hungry for God, and it seems like in the third world and throughout Central and South America and on the continent of Africa, people are excited about the things of God and the full gospel. In America, they're almost uh, turning their nose up at the things of the Spirit of God. Uh, they've arrived. They know better. They have somehow a corner on the market about what is true and what is acceptable. But this nation needs the Holy Ghost like never before. Which means this nation needs people of the Spirit who know how to believe and release what's on the inside of them into this nation. and not ashamed of it. And so I'm going to encourage you, uh, don't let your kids stray from the Pentecostal message. Don't let your grandkids stray from the Pentecostal message. You are not doing them a favor by letting them just entertain anything they want to. This nation spiritually is in decline, but how many understand just because it's in decline doesn't mean that God can't bring it up to speed pretty quickly. But he is not going to do it with what this nation has been doing lately. The, what Dr. Barclay would call the placebo church without any power, without the presence of the Holy Spirit, without a full throttle welcoming and honoring of the things of the Spirit, uh, it's not worked. In fact, I shared just a little bit of statistics with you from Barna this past week. 68% of those who say, identify they are Christians in this nation, don't even believe that the Holy Spirit is a person. Well, how is that going to work? How are you going to transform people into the image of God, into the image of Christ, if they don't even believe that the transformer exists? Aren't you glad the transformer exists? So there's this mindset, it doesn't matter when my kids go to church, it doesn't matter if they're taught about the things of the Spirit, it doesn't matter if my grandkids are exposed to Spirit-filled ministry, it'll all work itself out in the wash, at least they'll go to heaven. There's more to this than just you and me going to heaven. This very nation is on the line. So it matters that we on purpose live these things out. Say it with me, on purpose. That we embrace them and live them out, but we're not ashamed to talk about them. How do you understand? People around us aren't ashamed to talk about what they believe in, what they say. We shouldn't be ashamed of the things of the Spirit either. And part of that spirituality is you not being ashamed to be a tongue talker. Amen. This is the Wednesday night crowd, so I'll take much better amens than that. We should not be ashamed to be people of the Spirit. It's a God-given gift, and there's supernatural things attached to it. And so that, uh, that power that raised Jesus from the dead is actually released as we step out in faith and use that because everything we pray in tongues, everything we say in tongues comes to pass and everything we say in tongues lines up perfectly with the Word of God. What does that mean? It means that when I begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, I am shooting out the declaration of the Word of God. How could that possibly end up in anything but success? That's not always true when you open up your mouth and talk in English. There ain't no telling in a given day by day what's going to come out your mouth in English. Does that make sense? And sometimes you'll surprise yourself what comes out. Well, Pastor, how did that happen? Well, the Bible tells us out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's how it came out of your mouth because it was put in there. Well, how did it get in there? I'll help you out. You put it in there by what you exposed to your, you know, through your eye gate, your ear gate, and your mouth gate. It came right back out again. But you see, the things of the Spirit, the the baptism in the Holy Ghost and this gift you have been given, the ability to speak in tongues, and we'll look at a scripture maybe later on tonight that kind of emphasizes how that all ties together, you know, that's not dependent upon what you've been putting in. 
That has nothing to do with you at all other than your cooperation with it. In other words, every time you open up your mouth and you speak in tongues, 100% of what you say comes to pass. 100% of what you say lines up with the Word of God. 100% of what you say, amen, lines up with the perfect will of God. Now, we should, we should want our natural tongue to line, that, line up like that. But that's just not the case. One day it will. Amen. I'm not sure what language they speak in heaven. Pretty sure it's not English. Don't think it's Spanish. Amen. Maybe it is. Maybe it's classical Hebrew. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe it's Aramaic. Does it really matter? No, because you and I, there won't be a language we don't know. We'll be perfected not only in body, but also in terms of our intelligence, which is what we're really talking about tonight. So I just want you to, to be exhorted tonight. I'm not ashamed to be a word person. Amen. I'm not ashamed to be a person of the Spirit. I'm not ashamed of tongues or any of his gifts. I'm not ashamed, ashamed of the supernatural. In fact, every time I speak in tongues, it's a vocal miracle. If you ever get to the place where you're doubting that God is uh, you know, close to you and in your life, just open up your mouth, praying the Holy Ghost out of reminds you, Hey, you couldn't do this unless the Spirit of God was real. You couldn't do that unless you were saved. And if you're saved, God must be real and on the throne tonight. And sometimes you just burst out in tongues on your own. It just reminds you, everything is true. The Word is true. God is true. He's coming back. He's for me. He's not against me. Amen. And if I, God be for me, who can be against me? So I just want to encourage you as, 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 the, as the, you know, professional church in America, as the acceptable, socially acceptable church in America gets a little bit more powerless every single day, you get more turned on for God in Jesus' name because that side of the church is not the hope for America. You are. Amen. Say we born again, spirit-filled, word of faith, tongue-talking, on fire, unashamed. And you can have all that and let shame come in. It'll shut everything down in your life. So don't let that happen. Uh, a high price paid. You made it this far. Listen, you made it this far. You might as well enjoy what's getting ready to come. People will run to you to ask you to explain what's happening in this nation one day. And you're not going to be a know-it-all, but you're going to have a lot of the answers because you've been faithful and diligent to stay the course. And I just want to encourage you to stay the course in your spirituality. Your spirituality is not aberrant. It is not extra-biblical. It is not weird. It is not strange. It is the real thing. You have the same spirituality that Peter, James, and John had on the day of Pentecost. I want you to think about that. You have the same spirituality the Apostle Paul walked in. The same spirituality that Philip operated in the revival of Samaria, you have. Boy, you're blessed. How dare we be ashamed of it when such a high price was paid to preach it. Peter preached this message after he was baptized in the Holy Ghost and two demonstrative things happened to him. He personally saw the Lord raised from the dead. The Lord restored him and he was baptized in the Holy Ghost and his, his sermon in Acts 2 is nothing short of a masterpiece. You have the same spirituality. These men will go on and give their lives for the gospel. How dare we let any of these things slip away? Amen. Say we thank God for the Holy Ghost. In Mark chapter 16, we read, and then we'll just start, uh, I guess, about uh, verse uh, 15. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, is God condemning them? No, they're self-condemned because they don't believe. So God doesn't send anybody to hell. They send themselves to hell. So let's get it straight, amen? God is trying to send them all to heaven. That's why he sent Jesus. If he was interested in sending everybody to hell, all he had to do was just not send his son. End of effort. All that has to happen for us to go to hell is for Jesus not to what? been sacrificed, but he was. Now, if we don't go, it's because we've rejected the only atoning sacrifice that there is for sin. You don't get to heaven unless you're pure. And the only way you can be pure is as you take your car through the car wash, you know, you take your life through the, through the blood wash. 
the Lord Jesus Christ. And these signs will accompany. Not the super apostle, not just the fivefold ministry gift, not the evangelist, not the revivalist, not the television personality, not the author of the books. These signs shall follow them that believe. These signs are supposed to accompany believers. In my name, they will drive out demons. Say, that's me. They'll speak in new tongues. Say, that's me. They'll pick up snakes with their hands. Say, that's me. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. Say, that's me. And they'll place hands on the sick, and they will what? What will happen if you place your hands on sick people? Again, the believers. So, again, let me remind you, it's not about you getting you a box of snakes to prove how much faith you have. That is the answer to the age-old question, how stupid can you be? It does mean that God will protect you when you're on mission. Just like Paul, if a viper bites you, you can just shake it off. And some of those vipers slither, and some of those vipers walk on two feet. How many have lived long enough to find that out? There are two-legged vipers out there, and they bite, and their bites hurt, but you can also shake them off. Unlike the viper that may try to poison you through its fang mechanism, the way that a two-legged viper tries to poison you is with the words that they speak. Something else comes out of their mouth that's responsible for the poison trying to get into your mind and in your heart. Turn to somebody and tell them, shake it off. That's what the scripture is talking about. When it comes to you know, drinking or eating something deadly, you know, one of the reasons why you pause and say thank you for your meal and ask God to bless it is not because you're trying to be religious for the Church of Christ people across the restaurant, but because you don't know who prepared that meal. I'll just leave that alone, amen? Because uh, some of you may go out to eat, you'll be thinking about me saying that, and you'll say, oh, dear Jesus, amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah, let's just go home. But uh, you, you want to pray over it so that it doesn't have something in that it shouldn't be in there. And there's not something spoiled in that it shouldn't be in there, so that you eat your food and it nourishes you the way God intended it to be. There's nothing goofy, spooky, or kooky about Mark 16. People have made it spooky, goofy, and kooky. It just simply tells you that there's going to be supernatural things that accompany someone who believes. And that means that you and I can, can be protected when we're out there on mission, but also that we can specifically lay hands on the sick and they'll what? Recover. So your job is to do what? Lay hands on the sick. The recovery has nothing to do with you. That's somebody else's department. Come on, say it with my department. Believe and lay hands. God's department is the recovery department. Now, don't get confused. Because if you lay hands on somebody and don't recover, you think it has something to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. Your job is just to obey God. I promise you this. If you'll believe and lay hands on people, you'll see people recover. It will absolutely astonish you how willing your God is to heal people with just that act of, a simple act of faith. And this is not just you know, one aspect of this. There's an entire doctrine of laying on of hands that involves the ministry of healing from Jesus' example, but also from the teachings of Scripture. So I just want to say all that to remind you that what's on the inside of you needs to come out. And so we turn the pump on, right? No water's coming out of that well without a hand pump or an electric pump. We turn the pump on by speaking in tongues. That's how it is released. And you and I can go around town and just aim that water at everything that has a need. I run into to Frank, and Frank has a physical need, so I just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost for him, and I direct my prayer towards him. What am I directing at him? I'm directing the perfect will of God. I'm directing at him the word of God. I'm directing at him the power of God. Good things are going to happen to Frank because I stopped and opened up the well in his direction. Amen? You get a hold of this revelation, you'll never enjoy life more. Or, well, I just spoke in tongues because one day I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and that's what people do when they get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And when I get a goosebump, if it's a really good worship service, if Bryce does a really outstanding job and the Holy Ghost falls and I feel him, I might, you know, say a few syllables in tongues while I'm worshiping God. You missed the whole point. This is not like an ornament you hang on your Christmas tree of your Christian life. I'm one of them. No, it's a force. And too often, uh, it's just sitting there dormant when it's got resurrection power in there. It just has to be released. I mean, no, that water is not going to rehydrate you unless you actually turn on the spigot and drink it. You say, well, I have bottled water. Somebody still bottled it. 
Amen. No matter how you drink your water, somebody had to get it from where it was into where it is now. Well, we really hit this really hard on Sunday. I just want to encourage you and remind you that when you personally speak in tongues, it builds your faith. Build up your what? Your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Two things that will build your faith every day, time in the Word of God, time spending time praying in tongues. Say it with me, in the Word and praying in the Spirit. We talked about how it edifies you or strengthens or builds up your spirit. If you're feeling weak spiritually, pray in the spirit. It'll build you up. The Bible says, according to the word, 1 Corinthians 14, 4, you edify yourself. I like this one. It stills and quiets your, your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Maybe your mind is running amok. Maybe your will, there's confusion there. Maybe your emotions are all over the map. If you'll just stop and pray in the spirit, it will still and quiet your soul. And if you don't do that, if you go out making decisions based on a soul that has not been stilled, you're liable to make a huge mistake. You're liable to be emotion-ruled and controlled, and you're going to operate out of a mind that's not operating where it needs to, out of a renewal, you know, sense of renewal through the Word of God. Or you just think this would be a good idea. How many understand the Bible does say, you know, uh, you know, man's way seems right to him. There is a way that seems right to him. But then what? It ends itself to death, and the opposite of God's perfect will. That happens a lot when people make decisions out of peace rather than in peace. We do know that uh, praying in tongues will subjugate the mouth. So it's either tongues or duct tape. You take a pick. What's it going to be? Duct tape or tongues? You need to decide which one's going to subjugate your mouth. A lot of us would have uh, not done damage if we just walked away and prayed quietly in the Holy Ghost. But we just had to speak our mind. But he just had to go ahead and say it. And the Spirit of God was telling you, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. I feel like I'm talking to the wall tonight. Amen. Ever had that experience tonight? The Holy Ghost said, shut up. But you went ahead because you had something to say. And as you were saying it, you were regretting it. When you could have just walked away and said, Holy Ghost, you're smarter than me. I'm going to shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Just pray. And you'll feel better about it. Amen. If there's a time for you to say, I promise you this, the Holy Ghost will open up the door. You know, there's an individual that I've run across in my year, many years of ministry, and I would, I would love to run across their path because I have a few things to say. And you know that every time I think I'm going to get an opportunity to talk to them, it doesn't happen. And I was born, but not last night. I'm starting to see a pattern of how the Lord is not allowing that person to cross my path. Because I'm thinking that maybe he doesn't want me to say the things that part of me want to say. Well, don't look at me in that judgmental tone. There are people that you are the same way about, and it's probably good that you don't cross their path, and nothing good's going to come from it. Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Getting cold up here in this frigid air church. Glory to God. How <laughs> you know somebody you probably could do just as well not running across their path and just let the Lord take care of it? Yes, amen. Doesn't mean you necessarily have a forgiveness issue. It's just sometimes... You know, we just have to let people know what we think about things. And that's how we got in trouble in the first place. <laughs> what we thought about things. Instead, we need to be, you know, thinking about what he thinks about things. Amen. And he's consistent all the time. He's always loving, always kind, always merciful. And you and I are not always that way. So maybe in glory, I'll get to say to that person what I want to say. But maybe not. Maybe in glory, of course, I won't care. That is, if they're there. Moving right along. <laughs> yes, amen. Tongues will get your mind, your will, and your emotions out of the equation so that you can release the divine power and wisdom of God. I love the fact that it gets my mind, my will, my emotions, and sets it aside. That's important if we're going to have results. we got to get the flesh, in other words, out of the way. When you turn on tongues, you turn on the flow of the glory and you point it in the direction of the issue and all the power, all the presence, all the goodness of God, all the anointing, the sevenfold spirit, the gifts, the fruit are thrown at that situation. You think about that. When you pray in tongues and you direct it at that situation, everything that's in you, everything of God, all of the spirit offers is hitting that situation with the totality of the contents of the well. Wham. 
And we just thought it was, well, I got the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now I'm one of them. <laughs> you know, that scripture says, I hadn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered in the heart of man that God has prepared for those that love him. You know, that's not just about one day we'll see things that we don't see on this earth. It's also about things we haven't fully embraced on this earth. And when we learn what will happen, when we on purpose release that power from inside of us in that situation, we're going to see amazing results. We're going to see amazing miracles. Come on, say amazing miracles. Amazing. Said amazing miracles. Amazing. Signs, wonders, and miracles. Signs, wonders. Hallelujah. You mean, Pastor, all that's been in here all along? Mm-hmm. It's been sitting there, patient. Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to rise up and say, what's wrong with you? He'll just let you sit there. You can sit here a dormant Pentecostal to the day you die. So I refuse to be dormant. He really wants you to be like a volcano. Just spewing the power of God everywhere. Not destroying, but bringing life wherever it goes. That's what he has for you. Can you receive that? Come on, say, when I pray in tongues, I'm hitting that situation with the totality of the contents of the well. Now, you can increase the manifestation of God's power, goodness, you know, and presence in your life. But when you use your prayer language strategically to intercede and administer, you know, to others, and of course, we're not being goofy running up to people and blasting them in tongues. We're talking about something in the spirit realm. You're using it you know, with intelligence and, and with strategy. When you do that, you're increasing the manifestation of the presence and power and goodness of God in their life. You see this? What a blessing that is. It's not all about us. Amen. I need to pray in the Holy Ghost for me. Yeah, that's, that's the first side of that coin. The other side of that coin is you can benefit everybody else around you, if you will. Amen. There's a challenge sometimes. Just pick somebody you know that's in need and pray in the Holy Ghost a half hour for them every single day and watch and see if they don't start receiving amazing things from God. Amen. You can do this with anybody. You can have a whole long list. You should put your pastor on that list. Amen. The first 15 minutes, yeah, amen. The first 15 minutes in tongues, I'm praying for your pastor. Lord knows he needs it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Every time, you know, Jackie's mom comes up, you know, from Grenada, I tell her, and make sure I'm at the top of your prayer list. And I am, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. She's a praying woman, glory to God. But, you know, all of us have that on the inside of us. We just need to be, you know, uh, you know, revelation, of course, we already talked about how important it is you to have that revelation and understand the empowerment and to, of course, stay connected to God and be available. We talked about that extensively. Say I'm available. Um, but, you know, it's at that moment you start using this thing on purpose. You start seeing amazing things happen in your life. Uh, we're just kind of scratching the surface right now. Uh, Pentecostals, Charismatics, and since about the 70s to the present day, it really has been more ornamental. It's about to become very strategic throughout the country. And uh, as I've said before, it's, it's not going to be about let's go see super apostles, super preacher, or super evangelists. This is going to be a move of God among the people through the people of God. Through this revelation. This is what he intended all along. I mean, we see it in Matthew 10 and Luke 10. He sent them out two by two, didn't he? It's kind of like Noah's Ark. He sent them out, and they saw extraordinary miracles. They were in training to release what was on the inside of them. And note this, they hadn't even received the baptism of the Holy Ghost yet. They were still operating on temporary and limited. But on the day of Pentecost, they got permanent, Right? And full measure. And that's what you have right now. So if Peter could go by the temple gate beautiful and raise that man up, you can raise somebody up here in this town. Same Holy Ghost, same faith, same God. So we talked about this. Uh, if you still struggle with this, there's still some of the booklets out there on the table by Gloria Copeland on, on the baptism. God's will is the Holy Spirit. I encourage you to pick one up and read it. Or if you know somebody who has been asking questions or you could really, they could really benefit by being exposed to it, most people are not taught these things at all, then pick it up and give it to them. And then follow up, though. Say, you know what, did you read that book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you like to have it? Yes, I would. Could I pray for you? Sure. And you'd be amazed. God will use you to lead them into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
they'll personally use you. That's what those are out there for. So long-term benefit of tongues, one, it's going to increase your sensitivity. You're going to be able to pick up on the urgings of the Holy Ghost. Number two, it's going to decrease timidity. Your boldness is going to go way up. The more you pray in the Holy Ghost, the bolder you will be. When I see a spirit-filled Christian who's still intimidated and fearful and weak and, and mousy, it tells me they're not using their prayer language. But boy, when they start using that prayer language, they'll get bolder and bolder and bolder about the things of God. So it will be, I'm getting bolder. And third, of course, it releases power. It increases sensitivity, it decreases timidity, and it releases the power of God. Say that with me. It decreases timidity and releases the power of God. It's there. It's always going to be there. But we have to, by faith, release it. How many know somebody that could use more of the presence and power and goodness of God in their life? Well, somebody else will pray for them. Uh, not necessarily like you will. From a position of revelation and understanding that God is good, you don't need somebody praying a Lord, if it be thy will, prayer over them. Can I help you out here how to, how to never pray a Lord, if it be thy prayer, will, prayer over somebody that's sick ever again? Just pray in tongues. When you pray in tongues, it's never a Lord, if it be thy will, prayer. It's an always what? It is God's will. Here is his word. That's the kind of prayer. And that's what I'm telling you. You know, as you get revelation, you can pray the prayer of faith. But it's always appropriate to pray in the Holy Ghost when you're praying over people. And uh, don't be ashamed of it. Amen? God will give you good sense and judgment. Can I have an amen? Yes, amen. The real uh, message I wanted to get into tonight, at least partially with you, is, is to talk to you about why the devil hates tongues so much. It shouldn't be a surprise to you that the devil hates tongues. Say it with me. The devil hates tongues. Um, go into 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I want to share a few verses with you. Just 1 Corinthians 14. And you know that this chapter is correction uh, to the Corinthian church on what he saw as, as an abuse of, of spiritual gifts and specifically tongues. But in that correction... He reveals some very powerful nuggets of truth about the importance of tongues. And I want this to encourage you tonight. God does not care what your background is theologically. He does not care about your background denominationally. If you're born again, then you can be baptized in the Holy Ghost and you can operate in these things. And you should want to because he's no respecter of persons. You know, in the, in the upper room, there was no such thing as denominational corners. Now, you Lutherans go over here, and you Methodists go over here, and then uh, you Baptists go over here, and the Church of Christ go over here, because it may take us more time to minister to some of you than others. There was no corner that day. Amen? Just people honoring, obeying the Lord, and receiving what he had. The Bible tells me that they all received. What does that tell you? The birth of the church was 100% Pentecostal. Pentecost is not a label or a denomination. It refers to a spirituality that Jesus himself commanded us to walk in. You understand this? Say 100% of the early church was Pentecostal. How much? 100%. By the dark ages and coming out of the 1800s, very few people in the world, if any, had this experience. We can't say they didn't 100%, but it was very, very limited. But boy, when God began to move through this little woman who was a prayer warrior, baptized her in the Holy Ghost, and what happened at Azusa Street, you know that the entire world has been touched by what happened at Azusa Street in California. And God's not done yet. Uh, but we're moving back to that direction. And what's interesting is around the world, uh, in the, uh, you know, the non Western non-American churches, not just America, it's Canada, it's Western Europe, uh, they just automatically expect to be saved and, and spirit-filled. And guess what happens? Because there's no detachment there. The, the separation between salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit in terms of experience, and they are subsequent experiences, of course, but there's no separation in their mind in terms of what we should have. In America, in America the West has produced this 
those Christians versus those Christians. But the early church was 100% spirit-filled. Amen? If you read Scripture and the, the glory is going to fill the earth, what's going to happen? The church will be restored to 100% Pentecostal. Go up to your denominational friend and say that one day. Amen? <laughs> You're worth waiting for. <laughs> one day there's a Baptist businessman. Everybody say, God bless the Baptists. Why do we say that? Because most of the people in this church have a Baptist background. I don't want to offend them. Why would I do that for? Amen. Everybody say, God bless the Baptists. We love the Baptists. Glory to God. Uh, <laughs> it's been that way for years. Uh, why? Demographically, certain parts of the country lead towards certain particular denominations in their background. But, uh, you know, he said, uh, he basically told me it would be a cold day, and you know where, if he ever spoke in tongues. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I thought, you know what, I can just see the Lord taking him up on that challenge. So over in the domes one night, I was praying in, the, in spirit before the, the evening service, and uh, the Lord just basically said, I want you to read the narratives where people are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I don't want you to lay hands on them tonight. I just want you to call them down to the altar, and I want to baptize those people that are thirsty and, and the Holy Ghost. And so they came from one side of the dome to the other. And guess who came down? He came down late, but he came down. And uh, he came right about over here, and uh, I just prayed the prayer of faith, and the Lord baptized in the Holy Ghost. And there may be two or three that did not receive that I felt impressed to minister. But guess who left that night speaking in tongues? The man that said it would be a cold day, you know where, if he ever spoke in tongues. Now, how can somebody say something like that and, and be ready for the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Because it's not a badge you earn. If anybody needed the baptism that night, it was him. Amen. I need it too. So the church is being restored to what? It's, it's fullness versus this really weird thing that it is right now. Those that have and those that have not, and those that believe and those that don't believe. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I was just talking to Bryce about this. I'm not uh, moved by the smirks of people when I talk about these things. Well, that's not the way I My Grandpa always said that. I just don't care. I'm like John Wayne, I can't tell you how much I don't care. It's the truth. It's the Word of God. So, um, 1 Corinthians 14, 12. Go, um, anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to whom? To whom? To God. So this business is between a believer and whom? And their God that we benefit from, but others benefit from as well. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But who understands him? God does. And unless it's an interpretive event, you and I don't understand. Either God giving us a piece of that interpretation on our own or in a service. That's how you know that tongues primarily is not for a public worship service. That tells you that's primarily for our devotional life, our prayer life, because it's talking about nobody understanding them in the natural. In a, in a service, that's why we say, and Paul taught, that a tongue, you know, a vocal tongue needs to be interpreted so that the body can be edified. We understand that. But what was Paul's attitude? Verse 15, so what shall I do? I'll pray with my spirit, but I'll also what? pray with my mind. I'll pray, I'll sing in the Spirit, but i also what? Sing in the, or with my understanding, or with my mind. In other words, he's going to do both. He's going to pray and sing in his native tongue, and he's going to pray and sing in the Spirit. This was his habit. In fact, in verse 18, he said these words, uh, I don't want you to get the wrong idea, Corinthians, about this, so I'm going to throw this out there so you'll get this. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. That doesn't sound like Paul was casting out the gift from the church practice. He was just simply saying that y'all can't come in here yelling in tongues and get anything done. We're talking about a worship service where the word should have preeminence and people should be receiving words of instruction and prophetic utterance. It's clear what he's talking about this. What he's not talking about are times when we designate as prayer meetings and we know that we're praying. We're here to pray. That's why we came. Or a portion of a service is specifically for prayer. We're not looking for instruction at that time. We're looking to intercede and come together to pray about something. Uh, it's important to understand that distinction. But nonetheless, he shows us here 
how important tongues was to him. Evangelicals that, that, that espouse Paul as their theological hero, I just wonder about them when they tell me in the next breath, but we don't believe in that Holy Ghost stuff. Well, you must not be following him very closely. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. If you're going to lift up Paul as the standard bearer of your theology, then you have to embrace his charismatic theology. Or you're a Pauline poser. But if you're really a follower of Paul, you're going to do what? I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Then a disciple of Paul is going to what? Want to speak in tongues at least that much, or if not more. He was not denigrating this at all. He was just simply bringing order to a church that was out of order. What would he say to a church that banned tongues from that congregation? I promise you that letter would be interesting to read. But somebody just rips this thing out of context, doesn't understand what he's trying to say, and doesn't highlight the fact that he is a profuse practicer of tongues. That's his example. That's the model for you and for me. Uh, we've never needed to hear that more. Write this down. Tongues expresses and releases God's will in a word. What can be bad about that? Tongues expresses and releases the will and the word of God. Um, anytime you want to, you can express and release the will and word of God over your life by praying in the Holy Ghost. You say, I don't understand what I'm saying. That's not the important thing. Can you trust God enough that his word is true? Yeah. Amen. Listen, at least when you're praying in tongues over yourself, you're not praying unbelief over yourself. Huh? Now, that doesn't mean you can't pray a prayer of faith over yourself in English. I'm just simply telling you that every time you pray, every syllable you utter in tongues comes to pass and lines up perfectly with the will of God. I may not really want everything that I'm praying about in English, but I want everything he wants me to have. Every dynamic. Do you see this? So, why does the devil hate tongues? And believe me, he hates it. There is nothing more controversial in the Western church than tongues. Amen? Just bring it up at work sometime and see people scatter. First of all, his mission is stealing, killing, and destroying. That's what he's up to. But tongues brings life. Instead, instead of advancing destruction, tongues advances, you know, the life of God. If you have a mission to still kill and destroy, you can't have God's people running around advancing life in people. He hates that. But he hates it for another reason. Tongues is divine intelligence that he cannot discern. Um, occasionally the Lord will give me a reference point or a phrase that I think he wants to sow, you know, into, into our lives. And this phrase, divine intelligence, is something he wants you to sow very deeply in your heart. Say it with me, divine intelligence. The devil hates it because it's divine intelligence that he can't discern. But guess what? You and I understand it because we know it lines up with the Word of God. There are times it is, in fact, interpreted. But the point is, this frustrates somebody who's bent on destruction. So imagine how he feels about somebody that he's got following him, and then all of a sudden they get saved. Bad enough. And then that person gets baptized in the Holy Ghost and starts speaking in tongues all the time. You're no longer out of his camp. Now you're an agent to undermine his very purpose in this world. Just by praying in the Holy Ghost. You want to give the devil a bad hair day tomorrow? Pray in tongues more than you ever have before. It'll absolutely drive him nuts. Now come on, be honest about this. Has the devil ever tried to drive you nuts? I'm not talking about the ones you live with. I'm talking about the real devil. He's ever tried to drive you nuts? Yes, he's messed with you. Now mess with him. You pray in the Spirit like you never have before. And what's happening is tongues is divine intelligence. Here's the kicker. He can't understand it and he cannot access it. 
But you and I can access the divine intelligence that's released in tongues. Say it with me, divine intelligence. Could every Christian use some divine intelligence? And how do you know God's got a pretty big brain? Huh? In World War II, the uh, Japanese continued to break our code, discern our codes, particularly when it came to launching artillery strikes. And we kept uh, wondering how in the world it could keep doing this. And so eventually, after uh, some Navajo Indians were wounded in the war, somebody had the brilliant idea of using their native tongue to coordinate those airstrikes and those artillery strikes. And they did very successfully. Uh, and they were told that if they were compromised, those code talkers would need to be killed rather than be turned over to the Japanese so they could break that code. But they were using Navajos to actually you know, coordinate artillery strikes very successfully. And do you know to this day, they still haven't broken that code. <laughs> Japanese never did break the code. Amen? Can I tell you something? The devil is never going to break the code of tongues. Never. It is divine intelligence. I wonder what kind of airstrike you're lobbying when you pray in tongues. When you hear some demon run from your house screaming, Incoming! Instead of you and me being the one running out of the house screaming, how about the devil running out of the house screaming? Brother Osteen used to talk about this, you know, a little, little new devil. He's all excited about getting out there and wreaking some havoc. And, and so the older devils, the older demons said now, you know, so-and-so lives on such-and-such Mustang Trail in Houston, Texas. Don't go near his house because he'll beat you to a pulp. That was his address. Don't go to Brother Osteen's house because you'll come out beat to a pulp. That's the way we want to be. When you pray in tongues, you are releasing life and life more abundantly. And when you pray in tongues, there is divine intelligence going forth. He doesn't have a clue. We understand this from Scripture. If the devil understood what God was doing in Christ's crucifixion, he never would have what? Killed the Lord of glory. That didn't end anything. That began the process of our redemption, amen, and his complete demise. His very action, his very inspiration of hatred is what did him in. He doesn't have any more understanding of the mind of God now than he did then. Are you here? So he hates it. He absolutely hates tongues. And he hates tongue talkers. And he will do anything he can to shut you up. Can he get you with temptation so that you'll feel so condemned and away from God that you don't even speak in tongues anymore? How about spiritual laziness? You just don't do it anymore. You believe in it, sure enough, and you thank God for the experience, but you just don't pray in tongues all that much more because, you know, after a while, you know, it's just kind of boring to you. It's just kind of religious to you. How about people mocking you? How about people, you know, rejecting you, making fun of you? Is that all it takes just to shut you down? How about false teaching? How about it's passed away? Didn't you know that? How many of y'all didn't get the memo that it passed away and it's too late, you already got it, so I guess that's not going to work on you. You're amazed how many people, some even in this church, were taught from pulpits. Everybody say pulpits. Just because something is preached from a pulpit doesn't mean it's true. Preached from a pulpit that tongues is of the devil. Find me anywhere in the entirety of the Bible where devil spoke in tongues. In Genesis chapter 3, and the devil spoke in tongues to Eve. You don't see it. And now, all of a sudden, because people are so afraid of things of spirit, tongues is of the devil. Raise your hand if you ever served the devil before you got saved. Come up to your line, get your hands up high, I'll call you out. Yes, I will, amen. Did you ever speak in tongues the entire time you're away from God? Anybody? Some of you are taking trips on drugs and you still didn't speak in tongues. Why would the devil insert that into the teachings of men to infect the minds of believers? He hates tongues. I'll tell you the truth. The devil doesn't even mind you going to a placebo church. 
You're not a threat to him whatsoever. Amen. Hallelujah. But he is petrified of the spirit-filled church. Amen. He is petrified of those that are truly born again, truly spirit-filled, truly talking in tongues. Amen. Truly believing the word of God, bold as a lion. Amen. See, we're not the ones that need to be running. He's the one that's set to run. Hallelujah. Divine intelligence is available to the believer through the word of God and also through the spirit of God by speaking in tongues. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, Jude 20. But we also tap into this divine intelligence through the word and by praying in tongues. The Bible tells us that we pray, of course, we utter mysteries. They're mysteries when we speak them. But uh, anybody know approximately where your spirit is inside of you? And where's your head at? Okay, everybody go like this. How far is that? About 18 inches. That's all it takes to get from what God has, amen, into your consciousness. Into your mind. In other words, he is well able to give you the intelligence that's gone forth in tongues. The mysteries don't have to stay mysteries. The Bible says if any of you lack wisdom, do what? Ask God. Amen. Father, I'm asking you for wisdom in this situation. I'm going to spend the next half hour or I'm going to spend an hour every day praying in the Spirit until I get wisdom on this situation. Don't you dare be surprised when you wake up one morning having the perfect answer to that situation. Because all it had to do is travel 18 inches. Oh, God, it's in the power just now. It's not up there. It's 18 inches from your head. Speak, it's not up there. The valve where? It's here. But we've been trained, external, 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 traveling ministry, road show, get it from them, get it from that person, go to this place, go to this church, go to that revival, go to this meeting, hear that prophet, hear that prayer word, hear, hear, hear. It's where? It's already here. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you now. It's not out there somewhere. Amen. And the power is there. And what? The divine intelligence is there. Yes. He knows everything. Yes. Say, he knows everything. But we have trained ourselves to look outside of the heart of the believer. And I'm not talking about we don't have a need to have people speak into our lives and send into the word and gather and worship God. That's all part of who we are. The corporate anointing is important. But there comes a day you wake up and you say, you know what? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is on the inside of me. I have access to what? Divine intelligence. I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost and release that in Jesus' name. Divine intelligence is the knowledge, wisdom, and information that resides in God and is dispensed to the believer through praying in tongues. Let me say it again. Divine intelligence is the knowledge, wisdom, and information that resides in God and dispensed to the believer through praying in tongues. Raise your hand if you could use some divine knowledge and information. It's available. Praise God. Oh, I just need so-and-so to counsel me. And Brother Osteen used to tell this story. People coming to him and say, Brother Osteen, would you counsel me? I need counsel. I need counsel. And I'm not knocking counseling. I'm not knocking prayer counseling. I'm not knocking talking to each other and encouraging one another. There's a place for it. But he would always tell them the same thing. He'd say, for the next six months, you're going to attend every service of Lakewood Church. And then when the six months is over, then you come and talk to me, and I'll be glad to counsel you. You know what happened? 99% of the time, he'd never see him again. They're in the church, but they wouldn't come back for counsel. You know what happened? Spirit and the Word gave them the divine intelligence they needed. And people are at different phases and stages of life. Sometimes it's necessary to have that, uh, that human agent there in a more direct way. But I'm just telling you that we have access to divine intelligence. Say it, I have access to divine intelligence by praying in tongues. Amen. Let me give you 12 areas real quickly. Write them down. You take them home and pray over them. There is divine intelligence available in every one of these areas. You can make up your own list. 
Because it's, it would be as exhaustive as the mind of God. If it's in the mind of God, guess what? It's accessible. I have what? The mind of Christ. Uh, obviously, he hasn't completely filled our minds with everything because you and I couldn't handle it. You're never going to be God. But how you know, there's a lot of stuff that we need to understand and know. In this crazy world that we live in right now, uh, we don't need less revelation. We need more. Say it with me. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead and divine, say it, divine intelligence. How could we not do anything but succeed? How could we possibly be anything but victorious? I have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead on the inside of me. I have divine intelligence on the inside of me. You shouldn't be running around moping. Amen. No wonder we could be more than conquerors. Number one, perfection. Simply means that God will give you divine revelation, information, intelligence on how you can be perfected in your walk with God in terms of sanctification and glorification. Part of that will include correction. Is that okay with you if you're corrected? Say correction is good. God has divine intelligence to perfect you. Pastor, I'm okay. No, you're not perfect. You're, you're a work in progress. Amen? Turn to somebody and say, I know you. You need that. You need that one. Number two, planning. What we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it in life. I don't, didn't know God cared about that stuff. That's because we never stopped asking. Planning. The what and the how we are to do in this life. There's divine intelligence available for you. Has anybody here ever prayed that prayer, that desperate prayer? Oh God, I just don't know what to do. Don't know what to do. Don't know what to do. Did that help you at all? When you get like that, just shut up, pray in tongues, expect God to give you divine intelligence about what to do. Amen? All I don't know what to do is just reinforcing that you have faith and you don't know. And you already don't know, so how is that helping you? No, what I'm going to do is pray in the Holy Ghost and expect divine intelligence to tell me what to do. Number three is power. That's dunamis power. Divine intelligence on how to release that explosive power. How to walk in that like never before. That explosive power that doesn't destroy things and brings life into the situation. Number four is protection. How to avoid and mitigate threats and danger. You think God knows if something's coming after you? Does he know if there's a plane going to have an engine problem? Or if there's a wreck just waiting for you with your name on it, can he redirect your path? Yes. Can he alert you to something the devil's trying to do or some agent of the devil's trying to do? Yes, absolutely. How to avoid and mitigate threats and danger. Why? Because when I pray in the Spirit, I can access divine intelligence. Amen. Now, when you do access divine intelligence in a protection mode, make sure you pay attention to it. You cannot confess protection and ignore divine intelligence. You can't do that. Number five, divine perspective. Divine intelligence to understand God's perspective on a situation. I mean, his perspective is very rarely our perspective. You see just a piece. What does he see? Well, you see just a, a little bit on the linear aspect of your life, but God sees the end from the beginning. And we religiously say, well, God doesn't want us to know all that. That's just religious nonsense. Have you ever asked him? I mean, have you ever stopped and said, I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost expecting your divine, you know, knowledge and your divine intelligence to explain to me your perspective. Say it with me. Oh, God, show me your perspective on this situation. We're so eaten up with our perspective, we don't stop to think that maybe he would just fill us in. Number six, divine presence. Intimate knowledge of God's person and presence. Can we know him better than we know him today? Yes. Does God have divine intelligence about his own nature? Whether it's the goodness of God or 
being more acquainted with him. One of the reasons we know that God doesn't do certain things is because we've learned a bit about his nature. Amen. We know he doesn't lie. Amen. And we also know that he does not destroy people he's in covenant with. He keeps his covenant to a thousand generations of those that love him. Um, divine intelligence about his presence. I mean, you know, that's a deep well. Number seven, divine prosperity. He has divine intelligence to how to increase, cause you to excel and succeed in all endeavors. That's all that word literally means is success. Does he know everything? Yes. There are some people who have tapped into this. Uh, I can't remember the fellow's name in uh, New York. He was a commodities trader. And uh, he was there, of course, during 9-11. But uh, I don't know how wealthy he was, but he became very, very wealthy. He prayed in the Holy Ghost, and the Lord would tell him what to do with a commodity. He would go out, and he would do the very thing the Lord told him to do. And lo and behold, what would the market do? It would respond in the way that the Holy Ghost had told him about. Is it shocking that the Lord knows markets? Now, I know some of y'all are thinking about that huge powerball. We think the Holy Ghost will give me those numbers, Pastor. And if he can help you with a commodity, can he help me with a, with a lottery? Um, <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just leave that with you and him, amen? All I do have to say is you better tithe if you win. Yeah. <laughs> Moving right along, Hallelujah. <laughs> And while you're at it, pay off every house in this church, glory to God. And But, uh, you know, God's got a million ways to bless you. He has divine intelligence, and by praying in tongues, we have access to it. So how many of those do we have to download? How many God ideas do we need to get ahead? We just, religiously, we thought he didn't care about that stuff. So we don't bother asking him for his perspective. We don't bother asking him for those plans. We don't, we don't care to ask him, how would I increase or how would I succeed in this situation and stay on that in tongues until it comes to you? Amen. Some things we've been taught against, other things we just never thought. Hey, maybe he cares about that stuff. I mean, God will teach you how to fix that thing that you never thought you could fix. God has taught people how to play the piano who never had a lesson. Speak languages. There's a minister of the gospel I know of that speaks fluent Russian. They talk about his dialect being perfect, his execution perfect. Now he can't write it, but speaks perfect Russian. What school did he go to? The school of the Holy Ghost. Do you think there is a language that the Holy Spirit doesn't know? Pastor, could the Lord teach me to play an instrument? Yeah, but you've assumed that you have to do it the way the world does it, and God can't do it any other way. Yes, he can. That's okay to get lessons, isn't it? Amen? Because Bryce is not going to let you on the platform until you get some kind of lesson. Amen? Uh, no matter how, no matter how you know, anointed you are when you bang on the piano, still banging on the piano, we don't want to drive the Holy Ghost away. <laughs> well, I mean, we want to come, Holy Spirit, not... Get out of here, Holy Spirit. No, we want the real thing. Say it. Divine intelligence. There's divine intelligence that can cause you to prosper. He's got ideas, concepts, witty inventions. He could tell you how to do something, how to get into something, and at a certain time, how to get out of something that you shouldn't be out of. Uh, promotion. How to be promoted and advanced in life, whether it's on the job or things of the Spirit. He has divine intelligence connected to promotion. Promotion doesn't come from the north, south, east, or west. Where does it come from? It comes from the Lord. Um, pray in the Holy Ghost until you get it. Well, it's taken like three days, Pastor. Is he going to hurry up? Three days, huh? You three old days you prayed in the Holy Ghost over that. You really hung in there, didn't you? How long have you been walking in stupidity? 20 years. But you want him to give you divine intelligence in three days. That'll overcome 20 years. Everybody say divine intelligence. Prompting. What a powerful thing to know, discern, and respond to his urgings. How many like to be more sensitive to the Holy Ghost? Pray in the Holy Ghost, I promise you, you were. The more you pray in the Holy Ghost, the more those urgings will be clear to you, and there won't be any debate in your mind. You'll know it was him, and you'll act on it. You'll be so glad that you obeyed him. 
The more you do this, the more you will become comfortable with the urgings, the more aware of them. The, the less you do this, the more difficult it becomes to actually flow in these things. Say it with me, divine intelligence. Does God know when he needs somebody to do something? Yes. How many are available? Yes. Amen. Divine uh, proclamation, whether it's preaching to yourself or a small group or a Sunday school class or a church or whatever it is. Insight, knowledge, and unction in the communication of the gospel. Read pre, uh, Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2, and you'll see what I'm talking about. He didn't graduate from rabbinical school. He spent three years with Jesus. Look at his command of the Old Testament scriptures. Look at his command of utterance there. Look at the wisdom he had to say. That What we have here is not something to be made fun of. We're not drunk and so on the nine hour. This is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And guess what? You can have it, and your kids can have it, and your grandkids can have it. As far down the line as it goes, as long as the Lord will call them throughout the generations. Where did he get that from? Divine intelligence. Come on, raise your hand if you were sharing with somebody that you're trying to minister to or encourage, and out of nowhere came remembrance of a scripture or a story or a principle. It just came out of your mouth. What happened? That was divine intelligence on the spot. And that will happen for a church, but it also will happen when you're talking to somebody one-on-one. -on -one. You can talk to somebody when you're on the phone with them. Here comes that piece of information that they need. It's just that Peter's such a great illustration because how I many you know he's not exactly the, the golden boy of the early church? Denying the Lord, amen, cutting off Malchus's ear, bragging, I'll never deny you, all will forsake you. Weren't you with him? No. Aren't you all from Galilee? No, with cussing. And all of a sudden, he sees him alive and is baptized in the Holy Ghost, and now divine intelligence is flowing in his life. If he can do that with Peter, he can do that with anybody in this room. Anytime, anyway. Problems. Number 11. Anybody here ever have a problem? <laughs> Raise your hand if you've ever had a problem. What kind of problem? Any kind of problem. The Holy Ghost is the problem solver. There's divine intelligence to solve that problem. Whatever it is. I just don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I just don't know how this is going to work. I just don't know how I'm going to pay this. I just don't know how we're going to deal with this. I just don't, we know that. Stop saying that. That's obvious. Instead, stop and pray in the Holy Ghost. And say, I'm believing you to give me divine intelligence on how to solve this problem. And I don't know what it's like for you, but I can tell you this. And that's why you want to keep you know, your, your phone handy, your little note you know, program in there, or a piece of paper or a pad or something close to your bedside. Because you never know when all of a sudden that's going to come out of the spirit realm and into your consciousness. And you're going to do that thing and it's going to solve that problem. Amen. At that moment in time, you're going to say, thank God, because you're the one that gave me the divine intelligence. I didn't know how to do that. I'm just doing what you told me to do. Yes, amen. Say it with me. When I pray in tongues, supernatural power, like that which raised Jesus from the dead, comes out and divine intelligence comes out. Well, I tell you, you hear enough of this teaching, you just you want to do it more and more, don't you? Here's the last one. It's called people. And uh, you can talk about people. I mean, when I came to college years ago, I, I you know, saw a few people in the church and hung out with them a little bit, that all they seemed like they wanted to do was run other people in the ground. Even as a baby Christian, I knew that's not going to help me. And I still know many of these people, you know, they're, they're around the community or throughout the region or around the country or whatever, but the point is, you know, you can be like that or you can be the kind of person that uh, honors God and empowers people and helps people. Does that make sense? Um, it does you no good to run around talking about people. No. Does you no good to talk about how you've been treated or what they did or what they said or whether it was yesterday or 25 years ago or whatever. It does you no good. But you can go to the Holy Ghost. You can pray in the Spirit and say, God, I need to know how to handle this person. And there's divine intelligence to tell you how to deal with that person or how to get along with that person. But what if he tells me to apologize? Well, there you go. There's the rub, huh? It's more fun to talk about them. 
this is how silent it's getting in this church right now. Like, I love the first 11 points, preacher, but I don't like that last one very much. Can you go back to one of the other ones for a couple minutes? 99% of your problems are what? People. So what do you do? What you do, what you don't do is just, you know, run people in the ground and mistreat them because of maybe something happened to you. You pray in the Holy Ghost. And he'll tell you what to do. And he may say, approach them and apologize. He may say, you know what, treat them with respect, but you don't need to be in that circle. All they're doing is defiling your faith. And if you hang around them, you're going to be just like them, another two-legged viper. No, you don't have any business doing that. He can show you exactly how to get. Some of y'all have people in your family. <clears throat> I mean, every Thanksgiving is a test of faith. Can the Holy Ghost tell you how to handle that situation? Start praying now. Thanksgiving's a few weeks away. Keep, start praying right now. God, I'm asking you for wisdom and divine intelligence how to deal because so-and-so is going to be around the table on Turkey Day and I need to know. And all of a sudden, divine intelligence comes. Yes, amen. He knows everything. All we just need is just a little piece of his divine intelligence in a specific area. And the key here is, that's why the devil hates tongues so much. I want you to know that you should say, well, I don't want to please the devil. It would so please the devil if you'd all just stop speaking in tongues. Stop it. Amen? But in stopping it, you're going to stop the flow of power, and you're going to stop the flow of divine intelligence. Look at somebody say, you need more power, and you need more intelligence. Come on, say it again. You need more power, and you know you need more intelligence. Amen. Come on, let's give him a big hand clap and thank him tonight.